I'm going to talk about baptism. And if uh, everything goes to plan in two weeks' time on the 19th, I'll continue to talk about baptism. Before I do, I just want to address that statement, God wants his church back, because it's come up so many times. And part of the, the talk this morning is to ask us, are we contributing to more division or are we seeking to find harmony? Baptism was given to the church to bring about unity. And it's become one of the biggest areas of division. And similarly, we're going to have celebrate the Lord's Supper after um, in, the, in the worship time. The Lord's Supper was given to us to bring unity. And it's become one of the biggest areas of division. This is what I, I think a little bit of what this message is, is coming over so many times. God wants his church back. You know, we need to move away from our divisions and look for ways of being unified. And of course, the casualty here is the word of God. We're often asked to be unified and the price is to ignore the word of God. And in today's society, we are left with this challenge of do we accept and believe the word of God? Personally, I have seen too many four-year-olds predated on by sexual predators, and I'm very keen on sex educations for four-year-olds. It depends who says it and what is said. I do not trust our present British government to bring in British values above biblical values. So we're faced with a terrible battle. Yes, we want our children to be protected, but this can easily become an excuse for bringing in non-biblical, so-called British values. So as the church, today we have to stand. We have to stand for our biblical truths and at the same time recognize that we have 2,000 years of division behind us that we need to heal. That sometimes takes a little bit of give and take, a little bit of humility. And if there is one simple message that comes out of this morning's sermon, it is... If you ask me what baptism is, the answer is I probably don't know. Um, but there is an expert who was the son of God. And he said, go and be baptized. And he created some other experts to come after him and help, called apostles. And they said, go and be baptized. So I guess the bottom end of my message is I might not understand it. I might not agree with what other people do but the command is go and be baptized. Let's put our differences behind us and understand that this is something God is calling us to. So, if you're going to speak about something which is not quite too clear, the usual thing is, is to start with the good news, then give the bad news in the middle, then finish with the good news. So I'm going to start with a really confusing move and move forward into the bits I understand at the end. The bits that I understand are very, very simple and very brief, so that won't take long. So, first of all, let's start, if you've got your Bibles, um, with one of the best-known verses in the Scripture, which is Matthew 28, and um, verses 18 to 20. This is the last few verses of the Gospel of Matthew. Now, when you, you're writing a book or you're you're doing something important, the, the, the most important thing is often the, the sentence you open with and the sentence you close with. So in fact, this is the sentence that closes 
the Gospel of Matthew, means we must give it some attention. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now let's look at just a little bit of the balance here. We are to go to all nations, and what are we to do? Not just baptize them, but also to teach them, to observe all I have commanded you. Not little bits which you pick up from the Old and New Testament when you want to. Not inconvenient bits which have become inconvenient for your social time, so you put those to one side and say, well, that's offending people, well, we won't teach that. No. Baptizing them of all that I have commanded you. And I want you to note that this is plural. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Now, the Greek here is nice and open. Them can mean all the nations, or them can mean people from the nations. Basically, it means both. So we are to baptize the nations, which means changing their culture, and we are to baptize the people from the nations. But at a little point, this cannot mean a single event. You can't baptize a whole nation in one event. It's a process. Please hold on to that. The main point from this verse is the church is commanded to go and baptize and to go and teach. That's all our responsibilities. Now, let's come to Acts 2, 38 to 39. And this is the same statement really, but the other way around. The church is commanded to baptize, and here we as individuals are commanded to be baptized. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Please note that does not say the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that says the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and your children and to all who are afar off. That's us. All nations of all time, all through the future. The promise is to everybody, to those who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. Now look, this is individual. The first bit is you as the church go and baptize. This bit is you as the hearers be baptized. And what does baptism mean here? Repent and be baptized. Here is a process again. Just getting wet is not going to be a baptism. It has to follow repent and be baptized. It has to, call, it has to be involved with receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't want to unpack that this morning, but I want to just make the point this is a spiritual journey. It's not just a question of getting wet and going on. It's a spiritual process, following the idea of repentance. Now, the word baptism occurs a good few times in the New Testament. 
and it applies to a good number of events, not just initiation baptism. We're talking here about initiation baptism where people are baptized into the church. Um, if you go and look up some of the older commentaries, I've got one at home, a 1970 IVF one, which you think would be pretty good. And you look at the word baptism, and it only refers to initiation baptism. Now you go ahead and count up how many different types of baptism there are in the New Testament. Now I'm not going to go through it this morning, or we'll be here all morning, but there's more than one. The word baptism is a Greek word that over the last 2,000 years, scholars have debated and talked about and tried to unpack and tried to say what it means. And they still don't agree. So after 2,000 years of scholarly uh, examination of the exact meaning of the word, is baptizo, the same as um, baptizo, there's different Greek words, we won't go there. But we really don't know. There is room for different interpretation. I have a simple approach to uh, areas of scripture that aren't too clear. It means God did it deliberately, and he's given us room to have slightly different interpretations. So I have my own belief on what is the best way to baptize, which I will humbly mention in a minute, but I'm not going to fight anybody over it, because the, the Greek and the history gives room for interpretation. What matters is that we are baptized. Different cultures, different times, different events. What matters is that you are baptized. If you have some time, look up some of the very interesting archaeology, from, uh, which is now coming out from people um, digging up bits of the desert. There's some early churches which have been found, only 200 years old from, from, the, from after Jesus. And Uncovering these churches tells you a little bit about how they had their services because of the shape of the buildings and how big the buildings were. But they're also uncovering baptismals. And that tells you a lot about how they baptized. And of course, there's no water in the desert. Well, not now. May have been then. But it's interesting to see these different baptistries because that tells you that even then there was different interpretation on how you baptize. So they don't all have identical baptistries. That's all we need to say. The baptistries are slightly different in different places. And maybe they were adapting to their environment. Maybe they were adapting, but they were baptizing. Because they have baptistries, let's take that point. They had baptistries, therefore they were baptizing. The baptistries are slightly different. Possibly they were baptizing in slightly different ways. But they were baptizing. So the command to baptize is clearly there. Um, I have brought a box of books at the back. Um, In there is a chapter on chapter four. You're welcome to take the books because they're now available on the internet and that's where where they're being released from rather than the boxes I've got left. So I have some boxes left. Please take some if you want to and read chapter four, which, if you're interested, which will show you some of the different baptisms in the New Testament. I don't want to spend time this morning going through lots of that. Right, so what do we got? The not-so-clear news. The not-so-clear news is that we are commanded as churches to baptize nations, that this is linked to uh, the word repentance. Um, It's linked to the word teaching. 
Uh, we as individuals are commanded in Acts 2 to be baptized, and again, linked to the word repentance for sin, that there is no clear statement in the scripture as to exactly what baptism means, other than the fact that it uses water. That's it. It uses water. But we don't know how much or how it's not stated. So let's get to some slightly clearer news. There are many different types of baptism or the use of the word baptism in the New Testament. Uh, for example, baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is obviously not to do with water and to do with the Holy Spirit. But there's more teaching on that in the New Testament than there is on initiation baptism. But that just tells us the word baptism is, has got an open sort of feel to it. It's not just the only way of doing it. Repent first. Acts 2.28. Then be baptized. What does repent mean then? What's the Greek word for repent? I'm, I know I haven't spoken since last June, but I'm, I have read this in so many times. Da, 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 da. Metanoeo. Metano. Why do we like that word? Because it makes it simple. Meta is a Greek word. Nuio is a Greek word. It basically, meta means alongside. Nuio means mind. You might have heard people saying it means 180 degree turn. It, means, it doesn't mean any of the sort. It means meta, nuio, alongside mind. Basically, paraphrase, to change your mind. To alter your mind. So the first process of baptism is to have altered your mind. To have made a decision. So we start off, we all start off, by not being Christians. We're all with that, are we? We're born as children, we grow up. Um, we, we do not know Christ as our saviour until we make that decision. However age that may be, that can be quite young, it can be quite old, it doesn't matter. But we, we grow up not knowing Christ. Then we make a decision. We change our mind. We repent. We change our minds and we accept that Christ is our saviour. We change our mind about becoming a Christian. But we also change our minds about are we prepared to identify with Christ? to be seen by other members of the public as people identified to Jesus? Do we change our mind that to say, I am someone who identifies with the very imperfect church that squabbles and argues and has done for 2,000 years? But nevertheless, before we throw stones, let's look at our own failings and our own faults. Do we identify with the church? Do we, however we define it, do we identify with the teachings of Jesus? Do we want the world outside to see us as identified with this group? Or do we wish to be secret Christians? Do we wish to be Christians in our private prayer times? Or are we publicly Christians? If we've made that decision, then we are metanuia, we are repenting, we are making our, changing our minds, and we are saying, I want to identify with Jesus, with the church. The request to be baptized is about that decision. It's not about how you do it. 
how you do it is the symbolism. And we can go into the symbolism, that there's wonderful symbolism, but at the moment I want to stay off that. I want to keep to this simple point. I want to be baptized because I want to be identified with Christ, to be identified with the church. I accept this as my way of living. That's the first step towards being baptized. You can be a Christian, born again, and not have made that decision. Be a secret Christian, or a Christian who you know you're born again, you know you're saved, but you don't necessarily want to be too identified with the, the church. Or, in our present uh, day, the teaching of the Word of God. Now, my evangelical friends sometimes tell me I'm too liberal. My liberal friends tell me I'm too evangelical. So, I'll live with that. However you look at it, the Word of God says certain things about families, about sexuality, about God's plan in that way. You can't take that out of the Scripture, however hard you try. Are you identifying yourself with the teaching of the Word of God or that which is socially acceptable today? That's a decision. Who do you wish to be identified with? And today there is a price to pay in this country if you identify yourself with God's teaching and God's word. The decision to be baptized is to a decision to be identified with Jesus' teaching and thus the word of God. That's the first choice. Once we have made that decision... The scripture offers us a ceremony um, to seal, to declare that decision, which is what we call baptism. Now, the history of this in the early church goes back probably to the, to the temple. But at the time of Jesus, the Jews were converting a lot of Gentiles into becoming Jews, and they were baptizing them by the washing of water in the Jordan. Now, so our baptism today probably comes from that tradition. There were lots of reasons why they were doing that, but we won't go there. But effectively, if you were a Palestinian individual living at that time under Roman occupation, there were many privileges if you were a Jew and not if you weren't. So there were good economic reasons for being baptized into Judaism. And they were baptizing quite a lot in the Jordan. And today, archaeologically, we've, they've found areas of the Jordan which have almost been dug out to one side to make baptismal pits for um, the, the, the local people to be converted to Jews. And John the Baptist challenged them on this. Why are you baptizing? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. We have this wonderful picture of Jesus coming. But the church kept this tradition of making a clear mark between us and them, or those who were following Jesus, and those who were not following Jesus. And the, the, the tradition was laid down by John the Baptist, and then followed by Jesus, and said, this is how you do it. If you want to make a statement to the world, you do it by the washing of water through baptism. So the next step, if we have made up our mind that we are going to identify with Jesus and be identified with the church we choose to be baptized. Now we have to be baptized. 
whatever ceremony we, we go through, we'll talk about that in a second, but the, there is a, a third, st- another stage. After we have been baptized, we are to be accepted into Christian fellowship as a full and equal member of the fellowship. There's no hierarchy in the Christian church. There shouldn't be. You are baptized into the church and you are a full and equal member in God's eyes of the church. Now, my understanding is that the washing in the water is symbolic. What matters is the repentance beforehand, that we have spiritually put ourselves in the right place with God and the the washing of the water is a declaration of that um, belief. There are some people who say, no, the washing of the water is essential. So we come down to an area of a little disagreement. Well, I don't want to argue with anybody. What matters to me is that we obey. Sometimes we should suspend our um, ability to debate and replace it with a simple statement of obedience. It's quite simple. Jesus said, be baptized. Okay, how you understand that, fine. But if you haven't been baptized, Jesus said, be baptized. Simple. So, okay, so what does the washing in water mean? Um, There are lots of traditions, as you know. They vary from full immersion, where you immerse the whole person in water, to just touching the head with a little bit of water in the sign of a cross. And all these traditions have all got good reasons why they, they argue this. What I would say as an observation, and here I'm likely to get shot down in flames, but I, I just make this as an observation. And please, I'm using the word tend. There is a tendency, no more than that, I'll make it any stronger than that, for those people who understand the scripture as authoritative in its own right, in other words, for that interpretation, for those people to tend to baptize by total immersion. I think that is just a historical observation. I'm not making any more than that because I know good evangelical Christians who baptize children by um, little signs on their head and I know liberals who totally immerse. So it's a tendency. In this church, by tradition and by conviction as well, we totally immerse. But that's not going to say I'm going to fall out with somebody who does not. As long as they understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. This is the point for me, that we baptize because we are being obedient to what God said. There's there's, um, a little joke, actually, which you might appreciate between... Uh, an evangelical Baptist and um, someone from a more liberal tradition. And one of them baptized children just by putting a little cross on the head and the other guy totally immerses. And the liberal guy says to the evangelical who totally immerses, suppose you take someone into your baptistry and he walks down and he's waist deep and you, you baptize him, and you go down, you come up, and you, you don't get that part of his body in, under the water. Was he baptized? And the evangelical says, no, no, of course he wasn't. It's got to be totally emotional. So the liberal guy says, okay. You take the guy into the baptistry, and you baptize him. And everything goes under but his head. Was he baptized? The evangelical guy goes, no, 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 no. It's got to be totally immersed. 
And the liberal guy says, okay, take the guy into the water. You baptize him. Everything is covered with water, but that tiny little spot there, was he baptized? And the evangelical goes, no, of course not. And the liberal guy says, I told you that's the only bit that matters. <laughs> so, the, the, the tragedy is that baptism was given to us as a unifying uh, ceremony so that we can be unified together as Christians and say we are the baptized people who follow Jesus. And we've turned it into such an area of debate and difficulty. To the extent that you can go to Baptist churches who call themselves Baptist churches have got entirely different teaching on baptism. And you can go to some um, Anglican churches who baptize more regularly by total immersion than, than some of the Baptist churches. It's, it's confused. And I think the spirit behind it is that God has given us an open uh, way of interpreting this. And this is what matters. What matters is the obedience. What matters is the repentance. What matters is the desire to be uni- unified with Christ publicly in front of other people. And my own belief is I don't matter what, my, what you do, as long as it identifies you as baptized in front of the, the world. For me, for my own understanding of Scripture, I have to say what I finally believe when I look at it, I prefer, by a long way, total immersion. Which is why if I jump up and down here, I'll fall in the baptistry. <laughs> and that's been the tradition of our church. But if you have a different view on that, I'm really not too upset about it. As long as you have obeyed the command that we're given to be baptised. And that baptism is a statement to yourself, to those around you, to the, to the world. I am identified with Christ. And I am standing with him. That's the reason. So, the very clear news. This is what I think everybody will agree on. Jesus commands the church to baptise new members. End of, end of Matthew. We are commanded to baptise new members. We are to go out, and if we're commanded to go out and, and baptise new members, we've got to seek them. I, put, I, I don't use Facebook a lot. I did put on Facebook um, a posting, which I found on the BBC. For some reason, it suddenly came up on the BBC. I was quite gobsmacked. Um, the daughter of one of the missionaries who was killed in the Amazon back in the 1950s. And the BBC put a little thing on I put it up. Um, the way things have changed, this was a group of missionaries in the 1950s went out to the Amazon to un, what, from undiscovered groups of people to bring them the gospel. And they were killed. Uh, and the story is that then the relatives and the wives went back out there and the, the, the tribe became a Christian tribe. Um, but the, the price was that these people were giving their lives. Today, where you have, there are still a few undiscovered uh, or uncontacted, as they call them, tribes in the Amazon. And the culture today is they all leave their culture alone. We must not interfere with what they're doing. No one's asked them. They probably have a very low ex- life expectancy. They have no medications. I think it's it's it's. I just can't get my head around it. Here are people who we know are living in the Stone Age. Well, we leave them in the Stone Age because it's their culture. No, we are commanded 
to go to all nations and all groups and baptize them and teach them. We are commanded to go to those people. And today that is seen by our wonderful liberal politically correct establishments to say, oh, we shouldn't do that. We should leave their culture alone. But we know, if any of you can follow any of this, we know that many people from those tribes are coming out and finding other people because they want the medicine, because they want the clothing, because they want the teaching. They're trying to come out and say, we want help. But, oh, no, we've got to leave them alone. We are commanded, it's not a choice, to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this baptism follows teaching and repentance. That's pretty clear in the scripture. The second thing which is clear in the scripture, Peter commands new members to be baptized. That's the command. Go and be baptized. So it seems very clear to me that if we can't agree exactly on what it means, Jesus and his experts said we should be doing it. So, very simple. We should suspend our argument, sometimes submit to obedience. Baptism to me, just to sum this up, is a process. And it goes like this. We recognize that we were not born Christians. We were not born following Jesus. Then by becoming a Christian, we change our mind about Jesus and about his teaching. Repentance. Metanoio. That's what it means. It doesn't mean repentance in the biblical sense does not mean feeling sorry for. That may be part of it. Putting things right that were wrong may be part of it, yes. But the real meaning of the word is to change your opinion, to change your identity, to change your identification, to identify with Jesus, to identify with the church. That's the real meaning of repentance. That may mean being sorry. It may mean putting things right. But that's the secondary meaning. The real meaning is to identify with Jesus and his teaching. So the first thing is to recognize that we are basically born in sin, that we are, we are uh, people who are not in fellowship with God. Secondly, we recognize that we have changed our mind. We've repented. We're seeking, um, we ask God for his forgiveness and Jesus for his forgiveness and we, we change our minds. Thirdly, we then make a decision to identify, to be identified with Jesus and the church and those who follow him. There are many born-again Christians who do not make that decision. But you make a decision to irrevocably burn your bridges, if you like, and identify with Jesus. And we do this with a declaration. And this declaration is the ceremony of, of water baptism. For me, that means total immersion. For others, it may be different. Fine. But there is a ceremony of water baptism that, with the symbolism of water, which we could talk about in a couple of weeks' time, if you like. But at the moment, I just want to make that point. It's a decision to follow the tradition of water washing as a statement to the world. And the third point, which, or the last point, which is just as important, is the church baptizes you, but the church has to then accept you. You are accepted into the church as a member of the church. So, if you haven't been baptized, let me leave it with you as a challenge as to whether or not God is calling you to be baptized. I can tell you he is calling you to be baptized because the scripture says so. But when we are baptized, and I think a personal decision, and I think you can be baptized too early, 
and I have certainly talked people out of being baptized because I think that they were making it for the wrong reason rather than the right reason. I don't think there is an age range for baptism. It doesn't say so in the scripture. It talks about making this process. If you're old enough to understand this process, then you are at the time of being baptized. There has been, certainly when I was uh, growing up, there was a sort of tradition that you got confirmed in the church when you were 13 because everybody else did. And I think that's not a good reason. It has to be a personal decision that you are making an informed personal decision. Don't make it too early. Don't make it too late. If you feel the Lord is saying to you, have you made this decision? Fine. Have you acted on it? Have you been baptized? This is the simple command that Jesus gave. Go and be baptized. So let's just close with a prayer. Father, we thank you that your word is, is open to interpretation, that you do give us space to understand and space to have different viewpoints. But thank you, Lord, that it's also very clear in some areas. It's exactly what you want us to do. There's no confusion about who Jesus is in the word of God. There's no confusion about our need for forgiveness, our need to ask for Jesus as a saviour. And there is no confusion, Lord, that you call us to stand, to identify with you, to identify with the church, and to make that identification through water baptism. Father, give us wisdom, give us courage, and help us, Lord, to be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen.